we are in week three of our series, God at Work, and we are very excited about the the series and what is going to be shared tonight. So I just want to quickly introduce our two amazing speakers. We have Unati Mbunambi sharing half of the sermon tonight. Unati is a mother of four. She homeschools all four of her kids. Come on, Sissy. She is um, a wedding photographer, passionate about photography. She studied, let me not get this wrong, econometrics, economics, and strategic management. But she left that to pursue her passion for photography and is uh, raising her children while she co-founds Mzansi Bride. While after recognizing some of the challenges that black supplies have in the wedding industry, she co-founded that and has been working in that. She also blogs about parenting, vlogs about it, does all those things. And, um, you know, is of course married to Langam Monambi, head of We Worship. The other speaker tonight is Tony Mtetwa, married to Katie Mtetwa. Tony and Katie have three girls, Ndogozo, Nozipo, and Akari. Tony first started in business at the age of 21. He is described by his peers as an innovator, paradigm shifter, and value creator. He has held various roles in operations management, business development, marketing, and enterprise software sales, and he co-founded an industrial IoT tech solutions company called IntelliMinds, which he is currently running. Can we give them a huge round of applause as they come up to share? Here is the, the mothering happening before us. Hello guys, hello. <laughs> I see some people are so nervous, like, did I come to the right place tonight? <laughs> yeah, guys, no, we're still here. God is still at work, you know. <laughs> um, can we pray? Father God, Nile walk. <laughs> Lord, um, thank you for this evening. Thank you for this opportunity to share, um, you know, um, our, our stories. And Lord, we just pray that you would uh, um, in, instruct us, encourage us, and just inspire us as we as we hear from 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 you today. Amen. How's everyone? Okay, so guys, um, well, mine is not too much of a preach tonight, but I'm just here to share a little bit of um, about my journey, like in the family and you know work um, space. Um, and just a disclaimer before we begin, I'm not here to, ch- to share my journey because you know I I think that you know. Um, everyone here should, you know, make the specific, you know, choices that we we made, or you know that um, you know everyone should um, follow the lifestyle that you know we've chosen, you know. But um, here to share my journey, just um, hoping that you know it um, would really just encourage um, everyone here to really just pursue um, the um, the convictions and the passions that God um, has put in our hearts. Um, I really just believe that you know God. 
places specific passions um, and convictions in our hearts, and, and those are things that are usually like aligned to you know the things that um, the purpose that God and the destiny that God has put in your life. So the things that you're passionate about, you know, um, aren't just you know things that you know you like, but you know they even even though even when you might not know it you know there you know specific things that god has put you um has put in your in your life or has graced um um you with um so yeah it's just an encouragement to um for us to really just pursue to be brave enough to follow the um our passions and convictions um and and yeah whether those convictions are to do with family you know with whether it's work life or just general you know just christian principles and and, and values um, so yeah, um, oh, and, and the thing with the thing with gifts and talents, right, is that um, you know I think a lot of the times when we look at you know the things that uh, we're passionate about or the things that we we are good at, you know, we think of you know we kind of think of those things as things for us, you know, like if you know you know God um, you know has has gifted you you know musically or if God you know has given you like a specific you know maybe affinity for your numbers and things like that you know those are the things that you know make you stand out um, but um, I'd like to I guess just put it to us that you know the things that the talents that God gives us are actually um, given to they, they they're not just for or the the talents that I have are not necessarily just only for me but they are they are more to serve um, the world around you and the community around you so they are actually more gift that God gives to us as the community around you so for for some of you who are not like pursuing you know those um, so when you're not pursuing the things that God is calling you to do, you are actually cheating us of, you know, who God has actually called us to, you know, called you to be, you know. So, um, I know some, I mean, some of you guys <laughs> in here, you know, we need to be sending our letter of demands, you know, because, you know, we want, we want those gifts that God has placed um, in you. Um, <laughs> and uh, I know, like, um, you know, growing up, I don't know if anyone relates to this, um, when let's say my mother, uh, maybe if my mother had lent you know someone a you know you know money, and then now it's time to you know get them. Yes, the parcel. Yes. <laughs> so now you'd be sent next door to go collect you know the parcel. So some of you you know will be hello, Susie. You know demanding our parcel because you know we um you know we want you to you know to to show up for the the things that God has put in your hearts because you know they they, they are for us you know. Um, but yeah, so that's that's what I'm I'm, I'm chatting about today. Um, One Corinthians twelve verse forty six says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Um, can I? Uh, well, I'll tell you. I mean, Jess has already um, told you a lot about. <laughs> Me, but let me just um, um, give you a little bit of, of, of background, just so it gives a little bit of context um, into the, some of the things that I'll speak about. So, um, my name is Unati, and I've been married to that wonderful gangster-looking like man there <laughs> for ten years now. Um, we've made those four little humans. <laughs> 
Um, and I'm primarily at home with them, you know, as we homeschool. And I run um, a, a wedding photography business. Um, and then Mzansi Bride that just was talking about is something that we've just um, launched um, this year. So I studied at, um, I studied at Rao. And I, I worked for, for a few years in the corporate sector. And then just before we got married, um, I... Well, we decided that we actually wanted to have a lot of kids. And I had a strong conviction about, um, you know, staying at home with the children because I wanted, you know, to be the primary caregiver of the children. Um, and I knew that, like, South African corporate culture um, wasn't really built for the kind of family life that I wanted, you know. So we just decided that it would make more sense for, um, you know, for me to be at home and, um, and, 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 and be at home with the kids. So I, I left corporate nine years ago to be at home. Um, so, um, so what I am going to chat about today is just some of the, you know, the obstacles and kind of um, the tensions uh, that I had, you know, experienced with, um, I guess, making that kind of a decision. Um, um, and so this is, I guess, this is, um, you know, to say that, you know, as we pursue and choose God, um, even when it is the right decision, you know, it's not always easy. You know, it doesn't mean that, you know, if you, you know, you follow, you know, scripture, follow, you know, what, um, you know, God is, or God is saying that, um, you know, it will be an easy road. So just, these are just some of the things that I've, um, I've, I've kind of gone through. So the first thing was um, the implications of the de decision, you know. Um, so, I mean, this was the biggest one for me. Um, I... The biggest one was counting the cost of the big, big decision to stay at home and being content with the implications of that decision. You know, so, I mean, right now we've got, you know, small businesses, um, but we, we haven't always had a small business to support our family income like we do now. And in fact, actually, we were, for a number of years, we were in campus ministry, um, you know, so just like Leander was saying, we were... Um, we the decision to homeschool actually meant um, that we were living on one, uh, which was a very small salary, <laughs> you know. You know then, and and then it just meant me um, having to come to terms with that and learning to be content with the lifestyle that that came with as well. Um, and you know, as much as I absolutely love, I mean, I absolutely love our, our lifestyle, and I wouldn't actually. Um, make a different, uh, I wouldn't choose differently given the chance, I'd choose it over and over again, it, it was actually just not an easy thing to do. So, um, I mean guys, firstly, before I was, um, before we got married, when I was single and I was working, I was living my best life, you know? <laughs> living out there in the burbs, you know, I was living in forest, you know, living my best life, guys. You know, first year of marriage, you know, we moved to you know, to, um, we were living in Houghton Estate, you know? I mean, we weren't like, we weren't rolling in it, but we were like, okay, okay, you know? <laughs> and then, you know, we got married, made this decision, and we moved into a cottage, you know? Um, and, uh, and we knew that to maintain our conviction about our family, we had to manage our lifestyle. You know, we lived in cottages for about four years, um, and I mean, we've, we've, we've never had, well, more than one car. We've always had one car and we've even made decisions like having, to, you know, buying like a scooter for, you know, the second person so that, you know, to save, things like that. Um, because we know, and, and we knew that there's things that we wouldn't always be able to afford because of the decision that we made. So, um, 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 and the pressure, oof, 
you know, I'm not a person that easily succumbs to pressure, but you know, like the pressure was there. I mean, guys, like, I'm educated, you know? And my friends, my peers, my educated friends, you know, just seeing like, you know, people look like, you know, they're flourishing and like living their lives, you know? And we like, um, and, and we had, you know, it just felt like everyone was buying houses and buying fancy cars. And here we were in a one bedroom cottage at some point with two babies, you know? Um, it, things like that, that you, I, I just kind of had to, you know, every time go back to God and, 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 and kind of just be content with, you know what, we made this decision. We are so happy with this decision. We wouldn't change it for everything. And these are just the implications of the, you know, um, of the decisions that we make. So it's just encouragement to say that, um, just count the cost of, um, of, of, of the implication or count the cost of, you know, all the, all the decisions that you, that you do make. Um, the second one um, is, uh, oh yeah, good, forgot about that. <laughs> um, defending and promoting choices. And um, so I think when you, when, when, I mean, just being Christians, like a lot of the times we, have, we find ourselves having to make decisions that are counterculture. And I know it's like, you know, it can be so exhausting. You know, sometimes you just want to, I know for me it can be so exhausting always being the one who has the opinion that's contrary to like, you know, popular culture. It's just like, oh, you know, for once you just don't, you know, sometimes you just don't even want to raise your opinion because you're just like, ah, you're tired of having to defend or promote your choices. But, you know, sometimes um, you actually, um, well, or let me say rather, like I'd like to just encourage you to not tire of doing that. Um, and you don't know even the the lives that you're impacting. You don't know the minds that you're changing. You know, actually, this um, just this past week, I got a call from like a lady um, who follows like my blog and the stuff that I write about about homeschooling and the being at, at home with the children. And she was just like, you know what? I'm so encouraged. I'm so happy to come. I was so happy to come across your blog because this is something that I've been like desiring in my heart, but just haven't had the way to express it. And now just seeing that it's actually something that's possible that you know can be done was just so encouraging to me so so yeah guys just don't tire of of always just promoting and defending the things that you are you are passionate about because probably someone else does um, in relate to that um, the other thing um, um, the other thing is um, identity so um, the you know um, I must say that initially, like as much as I, I felt like I was doing something that's awesome for my family and following God's leading, I occasionally struggled with feeling like I'm not successful or rather the world's definition of, of success. Um, you know, like I've always defined success as um, doing or fulfilling the things that God has called me to do or personally for myself. And, and high on that list, you know, is worshiping God and taking care of my family. And I mean, I could be doing great things in other, you know, in other spheres, in business or whatever, but when I, you know, when, when, when I feel like I'm not doing well in those areas that I, um, like I don't feel like I'm winning at all in life. Um, and yes, there are a few other passions and convictions, you know, that God has placed on my heart to serve people, to be in business and etc. Um, but for me, those are the primary ones. And and God has just been reminding me lately as I've been reading um, Steve Merle's um, book on on how those three relationships are the ones that no one else can do for you. You know, like you can get teams at work, you can delegate tasks at work, you can even pull people together to, you know, run a ministry. But, you know, you can't, uh, you can't get it. No one can worship God for you. Um, 
um, no one can love your spouse uh, on your behalf. I mean, someone can love your spouse. <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, 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 and you can't pay <laughs> you can't get anyone to love your children on behalf of you, you know, and and, and so um anyway, just talking about the identity success thing, so it always just required me just going back to God and being like, you know, God, am I doing the right thing? Am I making the right choices? You know, um and and when I get to a place where I calm all the other voices around me, like enough to hear, you know, God's voice, he'd be like, girl, ah, you, you're doing well, you're doing well. <laughs> um, and, um, and, and that's all I need because that's what I, 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 I'd love to be living for, you know, like just as we've been talking about doing all things unto God. Um, but... Uh, you know, the identity thing is one that can, like, you know, get us into, like, a, a, a quick, like, you know, downward spiral. Because, um, you know, the moment that I step away, um, you know, a bit further from God and I hear his voice less and less, it's the more that, you know, I hear other, peop uh, other voices, you know, the more they get amplified. And the more those voices get louder, the more I actually care about what those voices are saying. And the more I care about what those voices are saying, the more I actually want to start doing things to please, you know, um, those people. So, um, so um, and when I intentionally draw closer to God, then his voice becomes louder and it's easier, you know, to be, to be defined by his word. So this is just an encouragement to say, guys, we always just need to be rooted um, in God. So even as you are going against culture, you know, um, just coming back to be rooted, or just being rooted in his word. Um, the last thing, the last thing is um, um, just depending, um, depending on God and trusting on God. Um, uh, so I think that one of the things that, I mean, this has done for me is just to kind of, um, the whole journey has done for me is, is, is helping me to, to depend more on um, on God, you know, I mean, with the homeschooling, I really in a day only have so, you know, so many hours left to pursue other things like, you know, business and, and other pursuits, um, you know, but it's, it's, it's helped me to actually truly depend um, on God um, for, you know, and to put all my plans and ambitions, um, you know, in his hand and to know that, you know, I, like, I have so many ambitions and so many plans, um, but to just to just trust that you know all the things that God has called me to do um, in this lifetime, He will actually make those. Um, he will cause those to to, to come to pass. Um, so um, just in in in, in conclusion, um, I know that you might not have the same convictions as me when it comes to family, and that, that's okay. Um, I don't necessarily think that all moms or all families should you know stay at home you know with the children. Um, and is there a perfect work and family balance formula? I, I don't know. Um, but for me, I like to think of work and family balance. At least for me, it, you know, I like to think of it as like, you know, like a, like a bar of soap in the bath. You know, I, I, it, it's, I, it's, it's in my hand. Um, I wouldn't say I have a firm grasp of it, 
um, it's slippery and every now and again, you know, it tends to fall, you know, and then I pick it up again. And, and for me, dropping it every now and again is okay. Like, I'm not hard on myself, but as long as I actually realize that, okay, you know, something is amiss, you know, I need to just pick it up again, you know. But what I don't want is, you know, for, for that um, bar to just, you know, stay in that water, you know, for a very long time. You know what happens, right? When you live... <laughs> but, um, yeah, guys, just the, the last... Uh, Yes, scripture or two last scriptures as, I, as, as we end off. Um, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. The next one, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Um, so yeah, yeah, once again, you know, just an encouragement for everyone for us to... Um, to live our best lives, you know, now because no one is promised, you know, tomorrow. Do the things and 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 follow the convictions and do the things and prioritize um, the the people that are important in your life. Amen. Sanbonan Bantbenkosi Yan Bingelela Ekamen Ligankulunkulu Ekamen Len Dotana Nasekamen Lemoya Unwele. I greet you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm really excited to be here today as well. Really excited to be talking on this topic and sharing. Um, around work and relationships with you guys. It's something that I'm very passionate about. Anyone who knows me well knows that both uh, Katie and I, when it comes to relationships, this is something that we live and breathe, and we've even co-written a course with some of the leaders here on relationships. So I've got lots to share, lots of personal stories, but today I really want to focus on Daniel and see what we can learn from Daniel on this topic. So two main points that I want to be um, focusing on that I drew from Daniel 4 and 5, and then we're going to draw some key points from those. Two main points really are, Daniel's relationship with the king is different to the norm, and Daniel's, Daniel is bold to speak God's truth to the king. I want to paint a picture for you. It's 2003. I'm setting up a retail operation in Khaboroni um, with little to none support from head office. So I'm doing everything on my own. I'm the man. I'm literally making it rain in the desert. <laughs> However, problem, it's retail, 17, 18 hour, day, 18 hour days that I'm working. I do this for 12 to 18 months. No surprise, my body hits control, out, delete, and I crash and burn. I'm hospitalized. All sorts of physical and emotional consequences come through. But what's the issue there? What's going on? I did not have a healthy relationship with my work. Nor did I have a healthy relationship with my boss, my earthly boss. And there were definitely no boundaries happening there. In his book, Danny Silk, he's got this very powerful quote in the book, Keep Your Love On, which helps us bring this to the bay. Powerlessness, irresponsibility, and lack of boundaries are all rooted in failing to value your life as you should. Conversely, honoring God's value for your life 
will lead you to be responsible for protecting it and cultivating it. So to honor God's value for your life, we need to understand what God values and then align our values to God's values. This is how we will have healthy relationships with our work and within our workplace. So what are your values? What are your priorities? We need to be able to communicate these where we work so that we can start living them out. They say that a value is not what you say it is, it's what you spend your time doing. So if we were to look at your diaries today, will they communicate your values? Turning to the text here in Daniel 4, just in summary, for those who don't know the story, Daniel's a Jew, there's been a war, they've been defeated by the Babylonians. King Nebuchadnezzar has ordered a bit of social engineering, he says, go and pick the best men from the royal house, the intelligentsia, the, the guys who really have got it going on, who look like they'll be you know, good for us. And Daniel and his friends fit this profile. So they get chosen, they get indoctrinated for three years, go for this training in the Babylonian ways, and they graduated to the position of being advisors to the king. And Daniel's specific specialism was interpreting dream, dreams and visions for the king. So, it's another day in the office for Daniel. Um, he gets called through by, by the king. King's had a dream. He's terrified. It's all about these trees. And he says, okay, Daniel, come through. What's this all about? So we pick up the story here in uh, Daniel 4, verse 8. Finally, Daniel came into my presence, and I told him the dream. He is called Belteshazzar after the name of my God, and the spirit of the holy gods is in him. So the king could see already that there's something different about Daniel, and that something different enabled him to trust Daniel with this dream and an interpretation. And coming back to that point one I mentioned, Daniel's relationship with the king is different to the norm. We learned in the first week of the series with Pastor Sai preaching that in Daniel 1, Daniel resolved not to defile himself by eating the king's food. And also, Daniel was already into his rhythms of life before he went into Babylon. So the culture of the day didn't determine his rhythms of life. He determined that up front. And I know here, you're starting out in your career, you may be young, you feel like, oh no, Tony, that's all good, but in my career, in my workplace, the norm is we leave work at 7 o'clock, or it's frowned upon if you go here, it's frowned upon if you do this. And to that I say, be culture creators in your workplace. Daniel was the same to fully engage the workplace, but different to be able to bring transformation in his workplace. We need to hold this tension of being the same, but different. And when we're being culture creators, bring that kingdom vision, bring the kingdom culture into that area. In the, in the preach from last week in the 1015, um, one of the ladies who preached, she brought a very good reminder to us that these work and organizations that we all seem to hold their culture or hold towards that culture, these organizations are imperfect organizations, being led by imperfect people, working alongside imperfect colleagues. But we are the ones who know the one who is perfect. We know he who is perfect, he can redeem that which is imperfect. And we are his ambassadors in this mandate to bring transformation and redeem that which is imperfect in our workplace to reflect the kingdom culture. Daniel also had boundaries. 
In Daniel 3, 12, he refuses to bow down to the image of Nebuchadnezzar, and he did not fear man, did not fear the king, and he didn't fear his earthly boss. This was his job, working for King Neb. He didn't fear him, <laughs> but he feared God. And we can easily be in the same situation at work where we're like, oh, what's going to happen if I say no, like Daniel said no? What will they think? What will they say? So how do we respectfully, but without compromise, align our values to God's values and keep healthy boundaries at work? One of the early examples in, um, when I first started working, you couldn't get e emails on your smartphone, so you had Blackberries, and they actually got nicknamed Crackberry because whenever an email came in, you had that red light, and you're like, ah, oh, red light, you must reply, you must reply, and you're just like, that's your life. The one time I found myself on the beach on holiday with Katie, and I was replying emails while lying on the beach. I got this one look from my wife, and I knew it was time to put a boundary on that. So I actually ended up getting two phones. There was a work-issued phone, it was my phone, and I had Tony Work and Tony Play, and Tony Work could get switched off at any time when I was no longer at work. I firmly believed if there was a crisis and I didn't know about it, it's not a crisis. Another key thing we need to recognize is that we need to pause and rest as a lifestyle. In our family, we try and get away three, four times a year, small breaks, short breaks here and there. And what that does is that as a result, when I was still in corporate, I'd book my leave. By end of January, I'd book my leave for the whole year. It's approved. And, and I knew that if I didn't do this, if I didn't put these values in the calendar, work would then squeeze out the time for those. And to this day, one of my former directors, he says he'd never met anyone, any man, who planned his life six months ahead around family and holidays. And what that communicated back to me is that I had clearly placed boundaries around my time and holidays, and I'd boldly communicated and followed it up with action. And if you think this is just me who's you know, on about this, and you're like, no, no, that's kind of like difficult for me to do, Michelle Obama recently, actually a few weeks ago, was interviewed, and this is what she said about her values and her calendar. Starting every year, before I booked anything or agreed to any meetings or conferences, we'd sit down with my assistant, look at our lives first. We put date nights in there, I put in my workouts, we put our vacations on the calendar first, we put sports things and school events. We planned that out first, and then what was left would be for work. How's your diary looking? If the first lady, former first lady of the most powerful country can put her diary in this manner, how's your diary looking? So, do you know what your priorities are, firstly? Because if you don't know what they are, you won't be able to prioritize one thing over the other. I'm very clear what my priorities are. In fact, the Bible is very clear in terms of relationships, what priorities are. It's God first, then Katie, then my kids, extended family and friends, and work somewhere down there. So I know there's times and seasons when one of these will be trumped by the other, but my default is still going to be this biblical blueprint. You don't get confused when you keep this in front of you. So to summarize this point, is your relationship at work with your boss different to the norm? Who's driving the culture in that relationship? Are you bringing kingdom culture to the relationships with your colleagues? Do you stop gossip? Do you defend those who can't speak for themselves? 
or if you're a boss sitting here today, is your relationship with your employees different to the norm? Do they see the spirit of the holy God in you? Moving on to Daniel, um, to the second point, Daniel is bold to speak the truth. So Daniel had to interpret the dream, you know, it was a Greatly perplexed, his thoughts terrified him. He knew what he had to say, but it was an uncomfortable thing to say. It was an inconvenient truth. And you may be here sitting here perhaps today thinking, yeah, I know what I need to do. I know what I need to change. I know the boundaries that I need to put in place in order to bring this health in my workplace. But however, I'm just terrified. I'm fearful of what will happen or what they'll say if I stand up and boldly start speaking the truth. We know where fear comes from. So the alternative is really, let's speak truth here. Key, another key thing to recognize is the boundaries that get crossed in our workplace. And how do we navigate those to say no, especially the time boundaries? In Luke 8, very good story here of this, saying no. So Jesus is raising Jairus' daughter from the dead, but before that he's around a crowd, lots of people waiting in line for him, all of them with their own needs. I'm sure you can identify this in your workplace. Lots of people that demands of time on you. Then suddenly that one person jumps in front of the queue and he's the one who's shouting loud and saying, no, no, my thing is more important. So this was Jairus. He jumped ahead. Everyone else said, hey, Jesus, no, you need to come heal my daughter. And at that moment, Jesus said yes to Jairus. By saying yes to Jairus, he was saying no to everyone else. We need to recognize when we say yes to that extra project that's going to make me live for another three weeks, I'm saying no to my children for three weeks. We need to recognize when we say yes at 4 o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon where there's connect group, I'm saying no to connect group that evening. These are the tensions that we need to realize our yeses and our noes make. For me, early on in a career, another story here is that as a subordinate multi-matrix organization, boss in UK, Dubai, and a boss here, lots of demands on me. I got very good at saying, I've got these three projects going to go. These are the deadlines on each of these. You've come with this new demand. Which one of these do you want me to drop in order to fulfill this new task now? I put it back in their court so that they could see I'm communicating. This is the boundary up to here, no more. Danny Silk. See, I do love and read lots of Danny Silk. There's another quote here. He talks about the people in our lives looking at them as consumers. It says there's a learning process involved in identifying the types of consumers that, you, that want a piece of your life and the kind of boundaries that you need to set with them. And then he finally stops and says, if you cannot set boundaries with consumers, you are going to be exploited. And the last keys here is that don't fall in the trap of prioritizing your work above your relationships. The biblical value system places family above work. And then, how do we promote and defend our values in the workplace while still being recognized as one who works hard and respects others faithfully? Another story from my past here is that in sales organizations, it's end of the year, targets are there, the company's not doing well, not meeting target. There's that urgent me email that comes through that says, look, everybody needs to meet in the next two hours. You know, it's important, compulsory meeting. That day, um, Katie was out of town, didn't have help, so I needed to fetch our daughter at 5 o'clock. So I clearly communicated and replied back to this meeting request from this director saying, um, thank you for this email, I've seen it, but you haven't given me enough time to get an alternative plan for my daughter, so I will come for the first half an hour of this meeting, but I have to leave at 4.30 to be able to pick up my daughter. He communicated back, 
Thanks for letting me know. No problems, you'll be able to go. Fast forward to the meeting, half four comes, I stand up in this boardroom, I'm about to leave. He says, no, 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 Tony, it's an important part of the meeting, you can't go now, you need to stay for the, for the whole meeting. I paused, and I reminded him of the communication and the email that I sent to him earlier, and says, as a result of that, I'm leaving. And I left. And as Christians... <laughs> Guys, this is so important. As the thing that people didn't know, but he knew, is that although the company was not on target, I was on 130% of my target at that time. So as Christians in the workplace, we need to be settled with this tension of also being passionate, but being boundaried. I was passionate about my work. I was delivering. But I still had this boundary that I need to put. You need to be the same, but different. This is how, when you're in the same, you're working hard, but you're still bounded, and you're transforming the culture of that organization. Many people came up to me the next day saying, wow, Tony, look, if you had instead, I was going to stand up for you. I was going to... It raised faith in them. They were encouraged by me just standing up there. And please, hear what I'm saying. Don't hear what I'm not saying. We're not demonizing work like, hey, you just kind of get up and go, and you do your own thing all the time. No. Work is good, but when work becomes the ultimate thing and becomes an idol in your life, that's when it becomes unhealthy. And also, I'm not just trying to overemphasize the 5 p.m. club, you kind of get home at 5 p.m. Great if you're in that position. For some of us, we may be in seasons where that is not the case. Emphasis again is season. Season, three weeks, a month, not a year. Not 18 months like what I was doing. That's not a season. That's done a lifestyle. What you need to do in that time is communicate to your family as well. Like, fam, we're in this three-week period. It's end of the year, reports, financial, whatever is happening. But after this three-week period, we're going on holiday. Oh, we're having that day trip. You find that your family, your friends, whoever they are, come around you and support you in meeting that end-of-year target so you can be all be able to rejoice and be, um, yeah, they celebrate with you when you meet the target. It's because you can communicate that up front. So to summarize this point, I don't know how I'm doing in time. Also, I just want to, before I summarize, there's another point I'll just add here, and this is, and um, when I was now managing teams as well, what showed that I'd communicated my values, actually caught me by surprise. When a sales kickoff overseas somewhere, and we now come to the end of the week, I've been away from home, and everyone's saying, you, Tony, you must have really enjoyed this time away, you know, you've got a free visa, you're not there with the kids, and all of this that's happening at home. And then one of my team members actually pipes up and defends my values for me and says, hey, no, Tony's not like that. Tony loves being with his family. Tony's probably missing his family now, and all these are the guys who are running around. They're like, no, Tony's really like looking forward to getting back to his family. And without even having said anything, someone else, just having spent time in my team, knew what I was about, knew what my values were, was able to communicate back those to other team members in the team. That's how we get to defend and promote our values in the workplace. So in summary, what is stopping you from being a Daniel in your workplace? Is it fear? Is it pride? And where are you limiting the Holy Spirit to work on your behalf? Daniel was in the lion's den, but God. He had the Holy Spirit. He, had these, he was using the Holy Spirit for his work. That's why he could stand firm and say, Put me in the furnace. Put me in the lion's den. He trusted God. Are you standing in the way of your next marketplace miracle? 
I'm going to end with this. It's words that are in a chorus from a song of my kids' CD that regularly on repeat. It says here, dare to be a Daniel. Dare to stand alone. Dare to have a purpose firm and dare to make it known.